something that we all have in common at this time of the year is we all have lists. Everyone has lists, whether they wrote down the things they have in their mind, but everyone has a list of things needed to do before Passover. Some people have it on paper with a date, you know exactly what they're doing. And some people just have it in their head and it's moving around at ferocious speeds in their mind and they're just under a lot of pressure. And uh, I was thinking about what is the real meaning of preparing for Pesach, how it's supposed to look. And my uh, spiritual mentor, when I was in Yeshiva, said, if you want to know what something is, what the essence of it is, you need to look at the way it's going to be after Mashiach comes. If you want to know what something is, you need to understand how will it be after Mashiach comes. So this is what I think. Mashiach comes, some people think, like every year, Passover is a time Hashem frees us from the cleaning of Passover. Every year we have to relive the Exodus. Every year we go back into Egypt, we work very hard to clean the house. And then comes Passover and we're freed from the preparations of Passover. That's how some people feel. They've been through all this excruciating anxiety of preparing the house for Passover, and now they're freed from it on Passover. But that's not what it really is about. When Mashiach comes, I think that the cleaning for Passover will be the same, and yet it will be totally different. When Mashiach comes, for sure we'll have many uh, individuals who will be willing to do the cleaning for you, for sure. And, and perhaps we'll even have a new kind of Hoover uh, vacuum cleaner that could suddenly find every crumb of chametz in your environment. Perhaps. But I submit that when Mashiach comes, we are not going to let anyone touch our chametz. not going to let any... I don't know if we'll give up the mitzvah to a vacuum cleaner when Mashiach comes. We're going to want to do this ourselves. We say, don't you dare touch me. This is my chametz. This is my room. I want to do this. What's the difference? How come the, what, what's, what's going to happen in us when Mashiach comes that will make us so excited? I think when Mashiach comes, we're going to be dancing. We're dancing into our kitchen, dancing into, into the living room, dancing in the dining room, dancing in the bathroom to clean the house for Pesach. Uh, I'll never, never forget Rabbi Levitin from uh, Seattle, Washington. Um, he spoke about how he grew up uh, with his father, who was a very well known, um, famous chassid, who after uh, the um, gathering for Kiddush on Shabbos afternoon, his father would get up and say to his children, and now we're going to clean the shul. And his children were like, wow, dad, this is amazing. Let's go do this. We're going to clean the shul. This, we're going to get to clean the shul. It was an excitement. And the question is, what were they drinking? And how do we get some of that? What is it? What's going on? So, there was a Jew, Angazund, a colleague of mine, Rabbi Zalig Ashkenazi, in uh, Siberia. Some, some, like, when you graduate in Chabad, some guys are very lucky, and they go to go to Siberia. Some guys are unlucky, get to go to Los Angeles, whatever. But everyone has their, their post that they need to, uh, where they're sent. So, it's the night of the Seder, and this guy knocks on Rabbi Zelig's door, his name is Grisha. Grisha, what's going on? Rabbi, I need a place to stay. Grisha, you need a place to stay? You have a beautiful home. What are you talking about? Rabbi, I, I was in court today. And I, uh, and I gave up everything. 
I, me and my, my, my wife, who was not Jewish, and I were getting divorced, and I gave it all away, and I have nothing, and now I need a place to stay. He said, what happened? He said, well, I was in the court, and I told the judge, I want out right now. And the judge got a little annoyed with me. So well, if you want out right now, then, then, then this is a courtroom. You don't speak like that. If you want out right now, then go out without anything. Said, okay, no problem. And I signed out without anything. Just I want to, I want to leave. And 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 and, I, and Ashkenazi is like, well, Grisha. I mean, it's amazing that you decided to um, marry Jewish and give up on this on this unhealthy relationship. But. And on Passover, we don't write things, we don't make agreements, we don't do, do, do transactions like this. Why did you need to uh, write this down um, and make this agreement in a way that's so unfavorable for you in, today on, on Passover? He says, Rabbi, Passover is a holiday of freedom, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to be free too. I want to get out also. I want to also want to be free. So that's why he shows up at his door without anything literally. So there are sometimes that we um, are very moved by something that we hear and we move immediately. And sometimes we need a little more encouragement, which is what the beginning of this six Torah portion is about. The title of the six Torah portion is Tzav. Tzav means to command. The different um, words the Torah uses to describe the various um, things that Hashem tells us to do. Sometimes Hashem uses the word Amira. Mira is a soft way of saying to something. Then there is Dibur. Dibur is a tough way of saying the same thing. And Sav is a commandment. Uh, God told Moshe, command Aaron. Tell him to go do this. What does Sav mean? What's the emphasis in that word? So Rashi says that means Zeros. Zeros means to encourage alacrity. Alacrity means to encourage speed. Not just to tell him to do it, but tell him to do it fast. Alacrity. And then Rashi adds two words. I was just quoting the Torah's Kohanim. And Rashi says, Sav means alacrity right now and alacrity for future generations. In other words, it's not just something about now, but in throughout history, this commandment that you're giving Aaron and it's something that has to be done with alacrity, something that is about encouragement and speed, and not just for him, but for all future generations. That's what, what um, Rashi says. Now, there's a big difference between trying to inspire somebody who is um, uh, hearing the commandment of Hashem with Moshe Rabbeinu in the desert, within the clouds, and someone who's hearing the commandment of Hashem in 2023, thousands of years later. The kind of encouragement that Jews then needed to hear it's a little very different than the encouragement that we need to hear. You would think that this one word, Sav, couldn't possibly contain a conversation that needs to be had with us and with the generation of Moses. Because their generation is there hearing a brand new commandment from Hashem, and we are in a whole different realm. And yet the Torah says this word means encouragement, means, means to encourage speed for right now, and for future generations, how could that one word mean both? Especially because there are two different kinds of encouragement. The way you encourage somebody in the cloud is different to the way you encourage somebody on Pico Boulevard. Who, how could it be the same word? So, and how does Rashi know from this one word that it means both things? So some commentaries say 
the word tzav actually does not mean um, encouragement and alacrity for future generations. It just means for right then. However, there's another word later on in the Torah, in this verse, the dorosechem for all generations. So the reason we know that tzav means for all generations is because of another word in the verse. But it doesn't seem that way. The fact that the way Rashi phrases it is, and the way that the Torah Konim phrases it is, the word sav only means alacrity, encouragement of alacrity, immediately and for all generations. It sounds like that this word has to mean this, and alacrity in general, alacrity in general is the same for the immediate audience, and the same kind of encouragement of alacrity, same kind of encouragement of speed, is also for future generations. You know what I'll, you know what I'm talking about when I say alacrity, yeah? Like it's like, it's like, it's like when your when your grandmother would say to you, "Bodu, bodu, 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 dirshot," right? That's that's that that's zeros. It's late. Move. Give or or as uh, uh, in the Ashkenazi version is, give a give hustle, 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 hustle. Let's go hustle. All right. So you would think that uh, there there's completely two different kinds of conversations then and now, and yet they're in the same word. We have to say that this word means both. And alacrity, hustle, has the same relevance and meaning for then and now, because there's something about alacrity that we're missing, that we don't know yet, that we're going to learn about, and that's why it's equal for the most Rebbeinah generation and for our generation. What does alacrity mean? So let's go, go, go into this deeper. What's the idea of alacrity? You could be told to do something and delay doing it for two possible reasons. Either because when some, someone tells you to do something, it goes from your ears into your mind. Chaim. The previous Rebbe talks about the word derher. Derher means to hear, but to feel in every fiber of your being. He, he, he differentiates between hearing something with your ears. Hearing something with your ears doesn't necessarily mean you'll do anything with it. Hearing something with your mind doesn't either mean you'll, you'll do something with it. You hear it, just your mind hears, doesn't mean that it will, it will reach you and you'll do something. If it touches, however, your desire, your pleasure, something like tickles, oh, this is enjoyable, touches your lezat, your enjoyment, that's very actionable. But then there's a whole different kind of, kind of, uh, of communication which touches the essence of your soul, literally. The essence of your soul. And so, if you are told to do something, it goes into your mind, so... I'll take the physical analogy first. You are told to go from here, uh, Kobe, do me a favor, can you go to Walgreens? Okay, so you see, you agree. So you could have something stopping, you can go to Walgreens. It could be something in your way. Kobe, hustle, please go to Walgreens. Don't be affected by the, because there's a roadblock and because there's police over there. Go around. So that's, so that's a need to tell you to encourage you because don't get, don't get, um, distracted by things in the way. Another reason why you may need to be encouraged is not because of something in your way, it's just because of the delay, the natural delay between your mind and your heart and your actions. So I'm telling you, don't. you may agree, but, but it, it may stay in your mind. And it's okay, he, he said he, want, he wants me to go to Walgreens and I agreed, but does it need to be now? Is it so important? You know, ah, I got something else to do. So, so it, it could be a delay um, coming into yourself from your mind to your heart to your body, from your... But I think um, something might, might be someone um, at the door. You want to pull out the plug from the front? Just pull, pull the plug out so some people come. Thank you very much. So, 
So the idea of um, the the reason why there's a difference between the uh, the instruction that you're given and your action is because there is a gap. Just like if, if you were to go to Walgreens, there'd be take time for you to get to Walgreens. So too, in yourself, there's a distance between your mind and your heart and your actions. It, 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 there's a gap there. So the gap may be something, there's some impediment why those instructions aren't meaningful for you. There may be some impediment because of... of um, Something which is which which is why it's hard for you personally for whatever reason. Thank you so much, Kobe. See, he doesn't have any impediment. You saw the way he jumped up like that. Uh, that no, no impediment there. Baruch Hashem. Am again. You go straight from your mind to your body because oh, oh, why is it? Why is it? Where does it come from? Because somebody knows. Someone was there. Oh, so, exactly. Exactly where I was going. What's going to happen when Mashiach comes? What's going to happen when Mashiach comes? the words of Hashem are going to touch at the essence of our soul. They're going to come and reach the essence of us. Why is there a difference between the, the way we hear things? Whether we heard it then in the clouds or hearing things in 2023. Why is there a difference? It's because of where that those words reach in us. Do they, which part of us do they reach? However, if something touches our very essence, the essence of a person permeates your whole being. When something touches your very core, it touches it touches everything about you. Essence isn't abstract. The essence of a person is something that that has not just has leverage to every part of your, your, your persona, but it it's hard and fast in its reach and impact in every part of you. When something reaches your essence, it, it, it touches you it touches every facet of you. Like Siddhis talks about dancing. If you're happy, you may smile. If you're very happy, you may sing. If you're extremely happy, it touches your very core, what happens? You want to dance. If it touches your core, what's a sign something touches your core? That it goes from your mind to your feet. You want to get up and dance. The fact that something made you want to dance means that your happiness has come completely into your very your deepest self. The essence of you is something that, that is related not just to your heart and mind, but it's related to your feet as it relates to your mind in the same way. So when we hear a commandment from Hashem, and it only touches our mind, it only touches our heart, there's a delay, isn't it? You want to go from play, point A to point B, there's a delay. The Torah, when it says alacrity, it means there's no delay. How could there be no delay? Because we're talking about something which touches our essence. So this language Torah employs here is something which is specifically um, a kind of commandment that Hashem gives that comes from His essence, so to speak, and therefore it touches our essence. Other kinds of instruction that Hashem gives, that Hashem uses the soft word of Amira for, or the hard word of Dibur for, the tough word, he, he says it in a soft way, he says it in a tough way, it's also coming from Anochi, it's also coming from his essence, but it's dressed in some other kind of, um, kind, kind of language, which, because it's dressed in a certain way, it reaches us in a certain way, and though, although we have the essence of our soul is very into doing what Hashem wants, but because Hashem dressed His commandment in a, in a, in a certain kind of shell, it's the soft way, the tough way, whatever, therefore in us also, there's a delay in how we react to Hashem's commandment. However, if Hashem's commandment is issued in way of tzav, then all you hear is the will of Hashem. You don't hear it anything else, just Hashem wants so just like from Hashem it comes from His essence, so to what it reaches in us is also our essence. And this answers our question. 
we asked before, it would seem that you need two different kinds of conversations to instruct and inspire the generation of Moses and our generation. There's a difference between Miyad, someone who's immediately hearing the commandment of Hashem, and someone later on, generations later. So the answer is, it's very simple. If the commandment, if the instruction is something which is just intellectual or emotional or whatever, so then you're right. So then there's a different kind of uh, kind of conversation then now. But if we're talking about something which is immediate because it touches the essence, there's no difference between then and now. Just look at ourselves. There's no separation between your heart and your mind and your actions because what you've heard touched your very core. So too with the Jewish people as a whole, there's no difference between us Hearing it, hearing it generations later, and hearing it then. The word generations means distance. There is the distance of our feet and our and the, and the closeness of our mind and heart, and there is also the distance of the proximity of time. There is hear, hearing the words of Hashem closer, hearing Hashem farther. When is there a distinction? What doesn't touch your essence? If it touches your essence, there's no distinction between between which. Huh? It's the same. So when Hashem asks us that He wants us to do something, and He commands us to do something, then, just like there was no delay, it was miyad, why was it immediate? Immediately doesn't mean it was a few seconds later. A few, it was immediate. The word immediate doesn't mean that they did it immediately. Lots of the command was about do this in 10 days. Because you couldn't do it right now. Like Rosh Chodesh Nisim, Moshe Rabbeinu gave the Jewish people the commandment that on the 10th day of Nisim, they have to offer the Paschal Lamb. But they still had that immediate response of, we're ready to do it. And the Torah says, it's considered as if they did it. Although they didn't do it yet, since they agreed to do it then, it's considered as if they did it already that day. Although, couldn't say agreed to do it. It's considered an immediate response because it touched, there was no delay in its fulfillment because it touched every part of them. Touched their essence, touched their, their very core. They heard their deepest self. What is Hashem asking us to do? So there's no delay in themselves. It touched every part of them. And just like this is true for each individual that, that went in the essence, so too there's no, there's no difference between, between then and now. In the Jewish people as a whole, between the earlier generations, later generations, they touch the essence. We touch the essence, clo- let's say this, the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu, even if they heard it from him, there would still be some kind of a delay, some kind of a, of, of a response. If it didn't touch their essence, there will still be some kind of a delay for them to do it. The Torah says it happens immediately. Because, why does it happen immediately? It's similar to asking you to go somewhere when you're already there. Say, go to Walgreens, you're in Walgreens, right? It's a similar way. If, if something has come from the essence of Hashem and it's, and it's not dressed in anything, it comes from His essence to our essence and a, there's an, an, immediate, an immediate lack of an immediate response because there's no separation. So this is the difference between the way we approach um, cleaning for Pesach today and cleaning for Pesach when Mashiach comes. Cleaning for Pesach today is, uh, everyone takes it differently. Some people like cleaning because they like spring cleaning. They like it. Oh, it's exciting. I do spring cleaning. Some people don't like it. They're very lazy. Thank you. Uh, and some people are, are in between. But imagine if we start to prepare for Mashiach today. We start to think about Hashem Himself is asking me to do something. Hashem Himself is commanding me to do something. And we've heard it from the essence of our Neshama. We've heard it from the deepest part of ourselves. Then we could start, we could, even though Mashiach hasn't come yet, we could already start dancing in the kitchen, 
where he's dancing in the, in, in the dining room. We were cleaning for Pesach. We were getting ready for Pesach. There could be a different kind of spring in our step, different kind of excitement. We're allowed to enjoy it. We're allowed to have pleasure to now as if, as, as if Pesach has already come, already free. L'chaim, l'chaim, to free from all disturbances and have a true freedom both materially and spiritually. We're coming to Mashiach right away. L'chaim. Uh, but the rabbi, I, I said there are four things are coming in Mashiach, not clipper. No clipper. So, so they're Chometz. represents evil. So how can it be clipper? Yeah. How would you send him on Passover? I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% sure the answer to your question. I don't know. I don't know. Because Chometz also is a positive thing. Throughout the year, you're supposed to have challah, right? The mitzvah and Shabbos to eat bread. So Chometz is also a physical phenomenon too, not just a spiritual phenomenon. So although Mashiach comes, there won't be any negative feelings, there's still going to be the holiday of Pesach. We're still going to have to get rid of the Chomets. Even though the whole year it's considered positive. There's no Chomets during Mashiach. If it's in this way, so why one Mashiach? Yeah. But when Mashiach comes, all the holidays will disappear. It doesn't mean literally it will disappear. What it means is, what it means is that the joy we'll have in those holidays will be negligible in comparison to the joy of the coming Mashiach. The Mashiach's joy will be such an incredible joy, celebrating Passover, celebrating uh, everything else, will be like, okay, I mean, it's, it's part of the same, it won't be seen as something significant in, in the face of Mashiach is here. We, we'll be definitely celebrating, amazingly, but will that add that much? That's a question. Is it will be like lighting a candle in the sunlight. So we're still, at this time of year, we're yeah, the I think body so. The commandments of the holiday will not be gone. We'll still have to get rid of the chametz. There's still going to be chametz. Mashiach comes. Because we have to have challah. We have to have challah and shabbos. We're going to have chametz. Because the the way they taught me, everything gone except Purim. No, that's that's what I'm telling you. It doesn't mean literally it'll, it'll be gone. What it means is it'll be it won't be significant. It's like lighting a candle during the daytime. You see the candle. Because it's, it's insignificant. Compared to the joy of Mashiach's coming, which is going to touch us and we're going to feel... You know how we're going to feel Mashiach's coming? We're going to feel so good. Mashiach, as soon as before our eyes see the coming of Mashiach, we just feel how good and how sweet it is in, our, in the breath, in our air. We're going to feel how... That's how we're going to know Mashiach is here. So it's going to feel so good the second Mashiach comes that, that all the other feelings we had till now, they're not, they're not, they're not going to be significant. It's going to feel like from our very deepest self that like happiness and closeness... We can't, we can't even imagine how we'll feel. So that that feeling isn't going to change that much on Pesach. It's not going to change that much on Shabbos. You can take it. Yeah, yeah. Grab it. Oh, actually, I'm not sure where did it come from. Oh, from 